0: And now let's try and tune in to no good music from an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey.
1: She don't give a crap about her bad reputation.
0: He can't smile too much, right? Because he's trying to play saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a guy with a deep voice every once in a while going, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was his only job. Let's see and I was parking. I look up on a marquee and there's my name. He looked like he was out of a horror movie and he was he was thinking of something devious. I'm a rock and roll guy. show fifty seven and I'm feeling a little better today than the last podcast. I don't even remember Very good. recorded. Today's <laughs> I'm trying to think of what we recorded yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, we did. It was a long day. <laughs> <what I> was... <laughs> yeah. I'm still tired, you know, from the I think I'm still getting over the COVID. Gotta keep yeah. trying to feel human. I did go on the treadmill. Oh, good. Um, I went on the treadmill, even last week, I tried to go every other day. It's not like I'm out of breath or anything, obviously. And I did quit smoking.
2: So, good. Yeah. It's
0: been a while. Today we're talking about a movie that's... Well, we're going to talk about... I wasn't going to talk about both movies, but we're going to kind of... We have to compare them a little bit. So the movie is Footloose. It's uh, turning 40. I think yep. in like five days came nineteen eighty four. We're gonna tell you how they got the idea for the movie, and based on that, because it was a weird law or ban on dancing in a town, I found some weird music laws. Perfect. We're gonna go into that, and we also have a top ten we're gonna do from. Week ending February 18th, 84, so right around that time, see what was on the top okay. 10. Let's go into some weird, and I'm just, we're not drinking, we're, we're remote still. And I'm drinking water, actually. No beer.
1: I have a whiskey and Coke.
0: (laughs) Oh, nice. Oh, I should have got my whiskey. I found a new whiskey. I don't know if it's new. But it's it's called, like, Howler Monkey or something. There's a monkey.
1: I've never heard of that one.
0: I always am drawn to, like, weird named, you (laughs) you know, whatever it is. Beer, spirit. If it has a weird name, I'm like, oh, let me try that. It's around the same price as the... I usually drink four roses so it was like 40 bucks for the bottle i haven't tried it yet but i'm just drinking water tonight understood okay i have this is going to be brief but i have some weird laws and as far as i can tell these are these are still laws and these are true it's hard to find i guess unless you live in that state or that area whether anybody enforces these laws or how long they've been on the books or no one's protested so they just left them on there so right. M- milwaukee wisconsin it's against a law to play a flute and drums on the streets to attract attention <laughs> okay so you can't just go down the street and you know whatever you're trying to sell or you can't have someone playing a, a flute it says flute and drums so I don't know if you can play them separately. <laughs> <laughs> you can play just the drums. You might be okay. Then we have Tennessee. Well, this is a, actually a county. It says if you live in Oneida, O-N-E-I-D-A, and enjoy old campfire songs, be careful. An ordinance forbids anyone to sing the song, it ain't gonna... It ain't gonna to rain no mo and i'm not making that up that's what it, that's the name of the song so that must go way back can't sing like that camp town
1: ladies is okay
0: can't sing that song i don't know it but i don't know what the um i don't know what the um, you know when they arrest you what what the uh penalty is for these okay i don't think it's deaf so it should be okay. no, that's good it might, might be a fine nags head north carolina You can be fined for singing out of tune for more than 90 seconds. (laughs) Now, the origin of this law is thought to come from a 19th century court case in which a man was fined for singing loudly and poorly. However, the case may have had more to do with disturbing the peace than being out of tune. Okay. Okay. In Boston, it's illegal to play the
2: fiddle. Yes. Hmm. Right. They don't like fiddle
0: music. I don't either. No one let's, ever said, Oh, I gotta get that new fiddle album by uh D Snyder. Like D hey, Snyder the
1: devil, if the devil shows up <laughs> and you you know have to go up against him, you could win that golden fiddle. Mm-hmm. So
0: if <laughs> so the devil goes down <laughs> to Georgia, he's probably playing a fiddle.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so those were the weird music laws. And you know what? I forgot on our last podcast there's two great music trivia shows. If I can remember the names. I think the one is um, I think the one is just called What's uh, Name That Tune. It's either
1: What's That Tune or Name That Tune. One of those, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I think there was an old show called Name That Tune so maybe they, they brought it back. So they have I think it's Randy Jackson is on the keyboards i think they have mm-hmm. other band members so they kind of are playing the notes they're not playing the actual yep. songs so anyway name that tune, and then the other one is uh, i think it's called we are family yep and jeremy and i both we've watched that one uh which is a really yes. cool show but it's really odd show because uh there's there's contestants but there's not just one There's not one contestant in the beginning. There's like 40 or 50, I don't know how many people, like buzzing in. Yeah, there's like a...
1: It's like the price is right The an audience. Maybe not that big, but there's a bunch of audience that are contestants. Yeah. And they get to guess to kind of be the main contestant in the show.
0: Yeah, they have... um, It's a family member of the person who's behind this... I don't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a dome uh, that's kind of fogged over you can kind of see yeah. their silhouette and they they don't do necessarily their songs because that would be a giveaway but they do cover songs and the first one we can say because probably if you haven't seen it yet it, i don't know probably not giving anything away because probably been on the internet but first one was peter frampton which i was surprised i was blown away i'm like because a lot of these shows get they get kind of subpar <laughs> you know yeah music people
1: well just so you that wasn't the first episode okay first guest of that particular episode but yeah okay. there's been a few before that
0: okay yeah that was the first one i caught gotcha and the but clues were funny cause... were to me were so were really simple and probably jeremy too because peter frampton's jeremy's favorite like, yeah uh, definitely one performer. of my former
1: favorite, favorites and <laughs> you know I did not the one clue i didn't pick up on so they show a bunch of pictures and i got all those but his son actually came out and said that i hope that i bring you alive or something like that and mm-hmm. i didn't even pick up on that
0: clue. oh yeah there were other clues i got it from all the photos yeah so. but there was there was a rock that had classic on it and then there was an album that said live 1976 i think yep and the people that were playing along are i don't know they didn't know music at all someone someone guessed bon jovi yeah 76 bon jovi was i i was like 14. he wasn't around and then they had humble on a pie i i got it right away i'm like that's got to be peter yeah
1: they gave away his like the first band he was a part of (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) And then at the end, they, I don't know how I couldn't figure out how they pick the one person that they bring up to win. I think they can win a hundred thousand dollars, something like that. I get to how the fast day. they can guess. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll go back to the top 10 here. So check this shows out. We are family. I really liked that's a good one. And, and that's heard. Anthony. I don't want to say Anthony Edwards, but I, I Anderson there i got it anthony anderson is the host he was a and comedian it's not always music guests okay yeah that's right
1: they do they do sing like one time kim newton was a a person
0: yeah. well snooki was but, um, the one too yeah jersey sure
1: but they always sing and it's amazing mm-hmm. because some of these people not behind the glass but the family members some of them are really amazing singers
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just surprised with Peter Frampton cuz that's almost like bringing out Paul McCartney, you know.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> cuz he's been around a long time. And he's got um I think he has some muscular arthritis problems, uh, surprised he can still play and surprised he's touring. I like it. I mean, yeah. it's probably his last tour. next we're going to do the top 10 from the week ending February 18th, 1984. So was okay. 40 years ago. It's before Jeremy was here. <laughs>
1: Just before. But this is right <laughs> in my wheelhouse for music that I love. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, like we mentioned before, Jeremy's mom and I were was, she worked at the print shop. I worked at and we're around the She's younger than me, but we yep. listen to basically same music. And also Jeremy's stepdad, too.
2: Yep, yep.
0: We're around the, I think he might be a, as old as me or a little bit older. I
2: don't know. I think he's a little bit older. Yeah. Okay, so number 10, we have Let the Music Play by
0: Shannon. I don't remember the song, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, Shannon was an American singer, uh, released September 19th, 83, as both her debut single. Oh, now I remember it. Let the music play. You yeah. know,
1: I can't yeah, sing. I was surprised that this <clears throat> made the list, to be honest with you.
0: And it was her it's, debut, it's a
1: very strong list, but this one was maybe kind of the, the lone underwhelmer. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry,
0: this I think. Only got to ten. I, I, I don't think it got any higher. Right, so makes sense. This was her debut single, lead single from her 1984 debut album. It was written by Chris Barbosa and Ed Chisholm. It was the first of Shannon's four number ones on the U.S. Dance Club Songs chart, reaching the top spot in October '83. Uh, it also peaked at number two in the Hot R&B/Hip Hop song charts and it was her only top 40 hit in the u.s and some say that this song was the beginning of the dance pop era so you know dua lipa probably has a framed picture of shannon in you know in her house right (laughs) honoring the queen of dance pop That was ranked 43rd on the 2009 VH1 special, 100 Greatest. Greatest one-hit wonders of the 80s. Now, the song does appear in the video game's Dance Central 3. (laughs) That might have been from uh, the 1990s or whenever. Scarface, the world is yours. That's another game. Okay. We don't have to go into any more. Now, wait a minute. In 2017, we have an update on, on Shannon, okay? She was a contestant right. on the Fox game show "Beat Shazam." where she was oh, That's a great show.: Where she was partnered with former stetsasonic <laughs> member Bobby Simmons. I have no idea what that is, what that band is. <laughs> Number nine: Girls just want to have fun. We all know this song. song was really overplayed. If you don't know this song, I, you know, you're either. I think in your early 20s maybe 30 i don't know are you just living under a rock (laughs) yeah that's why now if uh you know if you go online and someone posts something about taylor swift and you get you know the smart people that are like who if you're honestly saying who i'm like really worried about you (laughs) you've never heard of (laughs) taylor swift of course, the song was made famous by uh, American singer-songwriter Cindy Lauper, and it was written by a man, and it was, I think I talked about this before, his name is Robert Hazard. Robert Hazard had some hits in the 80s, like minor hits, like Escalator of Life, I remember that song, and I might have mentioned this before, but I actually saw Robert Hazard, and he was at this <laughs> this little place in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. It was next to, I think it was Lanco at the time, the shopping center. There was a little place called Marbles, okay. and it, it, they had booths you could eat there, and they had a little stage, and Robert Hazard played there. Wow! I went to see him, and he played there two weeks in a row. I went both times. First time it was just him. And it was weird because he was approachable. I met him. He's since passed away. I got a signed photo. He had photos with him. And the next week, he didn't want anything to do with anybody because he had oh, his wow. band with him. And that really turned me off. So, yeah, not to speak of the dead, but I, I saw firsthand like what I, I don't know what it was from one week to the yeah. other. It was literally the next week he had his band and didn't want to talk to anybody. And, Maybe he had a bad week. Maybe he realized he was playing at Marbles in it <laughs> in Philsburg. <laughs> this is my career now. So this was off of Cindy Lauper's debut album. She's so unusual. Now it's be- been covered uh, either as a studio recording or live performance. Over thirty artists have covered this song. Song reached number two, Billboard Hot One Hundred. It's considered one of Cindy's signature songs. Oh, this is interesting. Robert Hazard wrote the song from the male perspective about women in the bedroom. So Cindy Lauper, she actually changed some of the lyrics uh, at the suggestion of her producer. And she also had her own suggestions about how her version should sound. Oh, there's, there's one line. This is a song that I didn't hear correctly i didn't know what she was saying it's in the chorus after she says that's all they really want stretches out want some fun Uh the next line is what in
2: the world can they excite
0: that's what i thought it was but it's when the working day is done (laughs) like that's how i heard (laughs) it you know as a when was it? 84. Yeah, I was um, like 18. So what in the world can they excite? That's what I heard. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that was an original lyric of Robert Hazard. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she threw that in there. Okay. So we're on eight. Owner yep. of a Lonely Heart by Yes. of the song. I have a confession. I don't, I've never liked Yes. Except... <clears throat> This song, and this song, I'm sure people that were really in the Yes, progressive rock, they probably hated this song because it was radio-friendly. I don't know what it is about Yes, either John Anderson's voice, I don't know. The only progressive rock I really got into was Rush. I mean, this could be the first progressive pop song, I don't know. But the, the keyboard, the guitar solo... I think it was something I never heard before, or maybe since. It's just it's very unique. Now it's off their eleventh studio album, so you can see it was the band's only single to reach number one, and I don't know if they had any other singles that got even in the top ten. But but you can see it, someone who like yes, this is their eleventh album. There's bands I like that I didn't like the popular songs.
1: I feel like long distance runaround would have been one that okay. potentially was a bigger hit, and then um, I've seen all good people. I think was another one of their big.
0: Songs. Oh, okay, yeah, I know that song. Now, believe it or not, they have twenty three albums, and the well, last one. That. Well, this is the thing. Do you know <laughs> their last one came out last year, but I don't yeah, think anyone I knew. Know that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I knew, but I didn't go out of my way to check it out.
0: I like Yes,
1: but I'm not like a big Yes fan or anything. I, just, I, I like a few of their songs, so it, more it's on a playlist for me, and if it comes on, it comes on. I won't go out of my way to seek them out, though.
0: Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but this is on Wikipedia, is that the song originally written by Trevor Rabin was written while he was on the toilet. Oh oh. yeah. He was taking a Mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. I mean, picture it. You're in the bathroom taking a crap. Well, you're in the bathroom and you know, you got some candle burning, maybe, you know, (laughs) you have a (laughs) notepad and pencil next to the toilet. Yeah. And between your bowel expulsions, you write a number one hat. How does that happen?
1: Right. I don't know. I would have thought you would have said he was masturbating or something. Yeah. Owner of a lonely heart.
0: It says while going to the toilet, <laughs> he wrote the whole thing from beginning to end. That's wow. It says, yeah. That was a doesn't long say
1: how, Doesn't say how long he was in there, though. Long yeah. <laughs> did it, did it come that, or was he in yeah. there for a few hours?
0: <laughs> I have the feeling that people go in and edit these pages to see if anyone notices. But... I
2: don't
0: know if he's still Is he still alive? We don't know. We could interview him. that'd yeah. be great i don't know if he might still be alive. first question we can ask him about that yeah <laughs> is it true <laughs> yeah, we're in the toilet and wrote and wrote under You're a lonely heart it? okay next one is thriller and i know we've talked about this i think we talked about it on our halloween october show yes it's a song that has its place you know with halloween music yeah you know, i would never listen i would never I mean, I'm probably not the only one. I would never put this song on just to listen to it. I don't know why.
1: I skip it whenever it comes on.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the guy who wrote it was Rob Temperton. He wrote Rock With You and Off The Wall for Jackson's album, Off The Wall. And he wanted to write something theatrical to suit Jackson's love of film. Now, his first version was titled Starlight with the chorus, Give Me Some Starlight, Starlight Sun. But Quincy Jones felt the song should be the... uh, Quincy Jones didn't think that Starlight was a strong, says, album title. I guess he was looking for an album title or something that would... A song that would lead the album, because the album was called Thriller. He wanted something mysterious, considered several titles, including Midnight Man, which Jones felt was going in the right direction. You You can imagine the meetings you know that okay you're you're getting there you're getting there but not quite you know come back right. and he finally came up with thriller the songwriter worried that it was a crap word to sing <laughs> he said it sounded <laughs> terrible however we got michael to spit it into the microphone a few times and it worked i think it's the way he sings it so that was number where are we 7 Number six, Genesis, who I love Genesis. That's all. Great song. It's uh, the same.
1: it's just a shame. And that's all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is off their self-titled 83 album. This had the plastic, what looks like plastic building blocks on the cover. Yep. I need to get this album because I I had this album. It has mama on it, which is yep. a great song. So the single reached number six, early 84. Making it their first Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 hit. Also had Second Home by the Sea as the B side. And the UK single featured Taking It All Too Hard as the flip side. Now, this is weird. I found this. <laughs> this is an odd fact. I didn't even know this existed, but the song is included in Rock Song Index. The 7,500 most important songs for a rock and roll era. 7,500. That sounds like my old iPod I had. I had like 7,500 <laughs> songs on there. Imagine your number 7,500. How important is your song? Come on. I'd say if you're in the first 200. <laughs> 7,500 most important songs. That that's, doesn't make sense. You got 7,500 people in the room. Everyone is important in this room. I mean, maybe, I don't know. So the song was uh, an attempt to write a simple pop song with a melody in the style of the Beatles. And Phil Collins acknowledged in a subsequent interview that the song also features one of his attempts at a Ringo Starr drum part. Number five, Talking in Your Sleep, The Romantics. Now this is just great pop song. Great use of echoes <laughs> on the vocals. Now, th- this band had, you know, they had another hit with, what was their other hit?
2: The Romantics. Um, blank.
0: Oh, what I like about you. Da, da, yeah. Which was really overplayed. Yes. You wonder why one band becomes really popular and one doesn't. I mean, if either of those songs came on the. The radio or i heard them anywhere i would know it was the romantics and not, not a lot of people may not even know the name of the band so they were always dressed i think similar whether they were in suits or leather jackets now i looked up uh the lead singer and okay now first of all if you didn't know it was the romantics that sang that song you're not going to know the lead singer's name is wally palmar p-a-l-m-a-r and he's 70. And he still has a full head of jet black hair. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he's still, and he still performs. So this song was released in September, 83. This song became the band's most successful single in the U.S., reaching number three. You know, I would think the other song would have reached higher. Now, this is off their album in In Heat. <laughs> it also went to number one. And I don't think this chart exists anymore. On the Dance Disco Top 80 chart.
2: Oh, nice.
0: Number one. The chart, I'm serious. That chart cannot exist. Disco. Maybe it's just dance now, dance chart. Maybe. So next we have exciting stuff here.
2: We are at number what number are we at? Four. Four. It is
0: ninety-nine left balloons by Nina. I remember this song well.
1: This I like song... the German version of this song better than the American <laughs>
0: version. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I haven't heard this song in a long time, and I always thought that the American version also had a German part in it, but maybe I'm mistaken. I don't know. Unless I, I, I've i obviously heard the German one then, if I've heard it in German too.
2: Yeah.
0: Here's some history on the song. While at a June 1982 concert by the Rolling Stones in West Berlin, Nina's guitarist, Carlo Cargis, noticed that balloons were being released. As he watched them move towards the horizon, he noticed them shifting and changing shapes where they looked like strange spacecraft, referring in the German lyrics as a UFO. He thought about what might happen if they floated over the Berlin Wall into the Soviet sector. And he also cited, um, a newspaper article from the Las Vegas Review Journal about five local high school students in 1973 who played a prank to simulate a UFO by launching 99 aluminized mylar balloons attached with ribbons to a traffic flare. The red flame from the flare reflected by the balloons gave the appearance of a large pulsating red object floating over Red Rock Canyon outside of Las Vegas. So the translation of the title is sometimes given as 99 air balloons but the song became known in english as 99 red balloons the band members expressed disapproval though at the english version of the song 99 red balloons in march 84 the band's keyboardist and song co-writer you Faringkrog peterson said, we made a mistake there. I think this song loses something in translation and even sounds silly. So they're trying to form more serious, I guess, with the mysterious objects, you know, UFO sighting and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I always right. loved something about the song that always stood out to me. It was so unique and different. The up-tempo beat mm-hmm. oh, that yeah. it constantly has throughout the song, something I always loved about it.
0: Yeah, it's a happy, like, dance, fancy song. And then we have number three, Joanna, by Cool and the Gang. It's a nice song, but I noticed the keyboard is very annoying after a while. It sounds like a cat is playing the keyboard. You know, just playing the same notes over. (laughs) (laughs) That, 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 that. I I don't know what it is. It's
1: very repetitive sounding.
0: Yeah. So the song features as its main subject, a lady named Joanna, of course. And in the music video, Joanna is portrayed as the current owner of a small roadside cafe named Joanna's Diner.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. And the video was filmed at the Colonial Diner in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. And the sign, the Colonial sign can be seen briefly outside in the opening seconds of the video. And it did peak at number two in the U.S. for one week and number two in the U.K. It's an okay song. It's just one of those kind of forget about it And it's not to be
1: confused with Toto's Rosanna,
0: because it's something
1: totally different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Number two, we have Jump by Van Halen. Van Halen. My least favorite Van Halen song. (laughs) Jeremy does not like when I talk about Van Halen. I don't know why.
1: I love Van Halen.
0: No, I love Van Halen too.
1: And I love both Van Halen and Van Hagar, so...
0: Mm-hmm. I was more no uh,
1: biased one way or the other for me.
0: <laughs> I was more a David Lee Roth, I think, because of the time I grew up. And this I think is the first Van Halen song to use a synthesizer. Yep. Uh,
1: and that's why so many people who grew up with Van Halen, I think are not a fan of the song.
0: Yeah, I like the more the more rockin' songs, the more that featured Eddie Eddie's guitar than Eddie on keyboards. But now, this was written uh in nineteen eighty one or that keyboard part um, by Eddie van Halen, and it was rejected by the other members of the band. Do you know what the song's about? I thought you know uh, this is what I thought no, of. I, I don't I just thought it was a fun song, and I thought it was about just dancing and jumping, and no it's about someone jumping off a building like i oh okay, and if you think about it, yeah that's what he's saying, you might as well jump. Yeah. I think at the time, my, like I said, my 18-year-old brain didn't think of someone committing suicide. That I was not thought of that
1: either, honestly. I,
0: I was a happy teenager, so I wasn't a depressed teenager, so I, like, I guess thought a happy stuff. <laughs> so in uh, 1983, producer Ted Templeton asked David Lee Roth to listen to the His unused song idea Uh, riding around in the back of his 1951 Mercury with band roadie Larry Holster host hostler driving, uh, Roth listened repeatedly to the tune Uh, to come up with the lyric for it. He remembered seeing a TV news report the night before about a suicidal jumper, and Roth thought that one of the onlookers at such an event would inevitably yell. Go ahead and jump. David Lee Roth bounced the suggestion off Hostler, who agreed it was good. However, instead of describing a potential suicide, the lyrics were written as an ontological invitation to action, life, and love. Now, this is another interesting thing. According to Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates, Eddie Van Halen told him that he copied the synth part from Kiss on My List and used it in Jump. Interesting. I have to listen to it more (laughs) to compare the two. Yeah, and this—I remember the video, and the video actually won an MTV Video Music Award for Best Stage Performance because David Lee Roth is doing the kicks. I think that's why I didn't think anything of jump because it was David Lee Roth jumping around, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Might as well jump. Okay, we're at number one. Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. (laughs) <laughs> i really i still I actually love this song and i love the harmonica it's it's different because there's harmonica throughout the there's even a harmonica i think solo in the in the middle the song just right. flows and you know the title's kind of silly but you you can't help singing along when you're listening to it or if you're having a bad day now this was off their 1983 album color by numbers It became the second Culture Club single to reach the top of the UK singles chart after Do You Really Want to Hurt Me. The record stayed at number one for six weeks and became the UK's biggest selling single of the year in 1983, sold 1.39 million copies. Now to date, it is the 38th biggest selling single of all time in the UK. It has now sold over 1.52 million copies. I would think that would be physical i don't know what we're talking about anymore sometimes streaming right (laughs) yeah Yeah. Um, digital (laughs) spent three weeks at number one u.s billboard hot 100 in early 84 and it became their biggest hit and only u.s number one single among their many top 10 hits so there we go that's the week ending february 18th 84. And next, we're going to talk about Footloose. Sunday shoes now take off your Sunday shoes
1: take off your Sunday shoes yeah
0: so I guess you know when you you people go to church they put on nice shoes put on your sneakers so I think first we're going to talk about the soundtrack the music okay for the movie this is one of these soundtracks of course we're talking 40 years ago where the songs were written specifically for the movie now, there's still, there's still soundtracks like that. Footloose was remade, you know, in 2011. And they used some of the... They re-recorded some of the songs, plus they have new ones, too. So we, we still have movies that, like I said, have original... Uh, the latest probably is Barbie soundtrack. <laughs> and we had a good song that came off of that was Billie Eilish what i was made for i really think that's a nice song so and that song was number one in australia so this is nine songs on this soundtrack and it reached number one on the us billboard 200 chart april 21st 1984 and it stayed there until june 23rd 1984. i guess on the billboard 200 chart now it had six hot 100 top 40 hits three of which reached the top ten. Uh, there were two number one hits, footloose Loose by Kenny Loggins, and Let's Hear It For the Boy by Denise Williams. They reached number one.
1: So funny because some of the artists that are on the soundtrack, you would have thought maybe a couple of other songs <laughs> over those two.
0: Well, Almost Paradise, which I really liked when it came out, is Ann Wilson and Mike Reno from Loverboy it uh, reached number yep. seven that reached number seven and somebody's eyes by carla bonoff reached number 16. if you go on wikipedia you'll see there's a lot of contributors on this album but one that stood out was david foster have here the king of pop cheese you know because mm-hmm. he's worked with any, anyone from neil sadaka to michael bolton michael buble you know people like that right and he's even playing the synthesizer on track six, which is I'm free, Hel- Heaven Helps the Man. He's playing Synthesizer. Okay, so we have Okay, so track one is course Foot Loose, the theme of the movie. This song appears three times in the movie at the opening, and another scene in the closing scene, of course. Um, then we have Let's Hear It for the Boy, Almost Paradise. This was written by Eric Carmen. And Dean mm-hmm. Pitchford, and Dean Pitchford was the one who got this movie going, so I thought it most interesting that he was i think he was the producer and oh he's a scriptwriter, and he helped write the songs, which i I think is i don't know if it's unheard of, but I think now they just get other artists to contribute to the soundtrack but here right. you have someone that's Putting this all together, almost like I'd say Tim Burton. I don't know if he has any input on songwriting, but you know, with uh, Danny Elfman, you know, yep. he, he uses him a lot. Now, Eric Carmen, like I said, he wrote Almost Paradise. He was the lead singer in a 60s band, The Raspberries. And he also had the song Hungry Eyes, <laughs> uh, yep. which was from Dirty Dancing. He's singing that song. That's his song. Let's say we have Holding Out for a Hero, Bonnie Tyler. This was written by Jim Steinman, who wrote a ton of songs for Meatloaf. Yep. Um, Dancing in the Sheets, awful song. <laughs> <laughs> and even this one, I was, I'm free, Heaven Helps the Man by Kenny Loggins and Pitchford. That's not a good song. Somebody's Eyes, Carla Bonoff. And then there's a Sammy Hagar song on here, which was Sammy wrote with um, Pitchford, "The Girl Gets Around," and it's not on Apple Music. I don't know why.
2: I love that song actually.
0: This song's a really good song, but it's it's the only song that doesn't really fit, you know, yeah. with all the other I songs. Agree. Yep. And then we have number nine, "Never" by Moving Pictures. Now, interesting enough, in 1998. They came out with a 15th anniversary collector's edition of the soundtrack and they added four more songs, which I think we're in the movie. Yeah. So you had the extended remix of Dancing in the Sheets, which I don't think anyone asked for. Uh, we had, now, did you notice Quiet Riot in the movie?
1: I freaking love Bang Your Head. That is yeah. one of my all-time favorite songs.
0: You know, I haven't seen uh, the original in a long time, and I I didn't remember. And even in the remake, there's a scene in the remake, too. Yep.
1: Yep. Where they briefly use it. Yep.
0: And we got uh, Hurts So Good, John Mellencamp, and Waiting for a Girl Like You. And I don't remember hearing that song in the original. I don't
1: remember hearing that either.
0: So that was a soundtrack. So the movie Footloose was based on a true story. It's um, the town of Elmore City, Oklahoma. And the town had banned dancing since its founding in 1898. And it was an attempt to decrease the amount of heavy drinking. And one advocate of the ban was the reverend from the nearby town of Hennepin, F.R. Johnson. And he said, no good has ever come from a dance. If you have a dance, somebody will crash it and they'll be looking for only two things women and booze. (laughs) When boys and girls hold each other, they get sexually aroused. You can (laughs) believe what you want, but one thing leads to another. So, because of the ban, the town never had a prom, never had any proms until February 1980. The junior class of Elmer City. Elmore City's High School made national news when they requested permission to hold a junior prom and it was granted. Let's see. School board president Raymond Lee, uh, it was a tie and he broke the tie with the words let them dance. So apparently um, Dean Pritchard, he's an Academy Award winning lyricist. He also wrote the song Fame for the movie Fame as well as uh, Footloose and all the other songs. He co-wrote, I think it said all the songs on the soundtrack. But he's the one that kind of latched onto this story and wrote the script. Now, I enjoyed, I really love the original. And mm-hmm. it's an enjoyable movie, but there's, there's not much to it if you break it right. down. It's basically the ban on dancing and them trying to get the ban lifted. Now, my intention, like I said, wasn't to watch the remake, but my wife, (laughs) I mentioned Footloose. We didn't know it was from 2011. We thought it was not that old. That's like 13 years ago. So she seemed interested in wanting to watch it. Neither one of us had watched it, the remake. So we watched that too. And Jeremy, you watched both of them, right? Recently, or just the original? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay.
1: I watched just the original recently. I've I've seen the Reek as well, but it's been a while.
0: Okay. Mainly, I want to talk about the original, but we're gonna we're gonna compare a little bit back and forth. Now, the original cast was, uh, of course, Kevin Bacon as Ren McCormick, Laurie Singer as Ariel Moore, John Lithgow he plays the Reverend Shaw Moore, Diane Weist as mm-hmm. v v i Moore, uh chris penn as willard hewitt and sarah jessica parker is rusty yep. yep and she's they're all in their i think they're all in their 20s actually oh, kevin bacon was 25 and laurie singer is 26 so they're playing high school <laughs> kids <laughs> like we've seen before like stranger things is one of the I think there was one of the guys was like 30 playing an 18 year old or something in stranger things really 28 28 one of the guys yeah <laughs> hmm. you know sometimes some people look young until they hit a certain age they people right. think they're young so they can pull it off you know i didn't think anything of it with uh, kevin bacon or Laurie singer Yeah, you you have some people, and and then you have some people that are 17, 18. They look like they're 25, so. (laughs) Right. And uh, let's see. Oh, we have uh, a guy that played Willie. His name's John Laughlin. And Jeremy, (laughs) he's most well-known for his portrayal as a stormtrooper in the Star Wars Holiday Special, I found out. The guy that played (laughs) Woody, I don't know if we remember Woody. And he was also in The Lawnmower Man, another great like classic uh, as Jake Simpson. And I'm sure it was a small part. Pretty sure that Stephen
1: King to this day <laughs> does not take any
2: ownership of that movie.
0: Okay, Lawnmower Man, did you, did you read the short story? Fantastic okay. so short story. It's so yes. different. It's literally about <laughs> a guy that I think is eating grass. If I recall correctly. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) That's why I was excited when the movie came out.
1: Yeah, the story was amazing. The movie was terrible.
0: And then we have Frances Lee McCain as Ethel McCormick. Now, she is Wren's mother. Now, do you know she was also Lorraine's mother in Back to the Future? Uh, Okay. Leah Thompson. And she was also Gordy's mother in Stand By Me. Another Stephen King. (laughs) Yeah, good. That one's good. Now, of course, I'm partial to the original because I saw it when it came out. You say I would have been like, I would have been 18, and I probably kind of—I don't know if I related to the movie. I mean, did you go to any proms? I only went to one prom.
1: I went to my high school prom. That was it.
0: Yeah, I think I went to my senior prom with my future ex-wife. But that was about it. I, and it's not that I didn't have girlfriends. I just don't think I had a girlfriend for long enough. I remember the one time Matt and I we walked we walked through a cornfield over to the high school to see what was going on. We weren't <laughs> we weren't going to the prom, and then we <laughs> and then we hung out with a couple other girls that weren't going to the prom. So that kind of worked out. Um, there we go. Now I think Kevin Bacon was Kevin Bacon was I looked this up. He was this is probably his tenth or twelfth film. But I he was still unknown, you know, at this point. Right. Now in the remake, this guy, Kenny Worm Mold, as Ren McCormick. Mm-hmm. And you know, I really would suggest that he should have changed his name. You know, I don't know <laughs> if it matters. You know anymore used to matter with a name you got kevin bacon who doesn't love bacon right right i mean when you say his name you think you can almost smell him because it's bacon
1: <laughs> but it well, wasn't he was in the first friday the 13th wasn't he
0: yeah and i think it was before so that would footloose right yeah but I, I still don't think he wasn't a name at that point
2: gotcha okay
0: Let's get back to Kenny Worm Mold. <laughs> it's it's W O R M A L D, Worm Mold. Maybe it's Worm Mold, right? He really hasn't done anything. he's no Kevin Bacon. He's like, it's been like thirteen years, right? I don't know when the remake came out, what month, but um, right, right. I mean, this guy was in Fear the Walking Dead, four episodes. And, you know, I really don't think anyone watched that but me and my wife. You know, I don't hear anybody yeah. talk about that show. Now, no. Kevin Bacon I have here. He went on to She's Having a Baby, Flatliners, JFK, so some big movies. Yeah. And, of course, he's we know him. Everybody knows Kevin Bacon. And then you have Juliana Julianne Hogue as Ariel in the remake. I only know her from Dancing with the Stars. I might have watched it when she was on. And she was yep. in Dirty Grandpa.
2: Okay. You
0: know? Now, the remake, we have Dennis Quaid as the Reverend Shaw Moore. Dennis Quaid did a good job. Yep. Andy McDowell as, as his wife. I love her in Groundhog Day. You know? <laughs> yes. And I don't think she hasn't really done anything, I think, since Footloose. She's one of those she shows up once in a while. You know and a lot of other unknown actors in the remake now get this the guy who wrote the remake he won (laughs) he won an academy award for hustle and flow for best original song Uh so this is what we're working with here okay (laughs) and the song was called it's hard out i'm not making this up i have to i have to preface that because people think because some things i make up i'll tell you It's hard out here for a pimp. That's the song that won the Academy Award, and that was the beginning of the downfall of the Academy Awards. (laughs) That exact moment. (laughs) Yeah. But this is the guy that wrote the remake of Footloose. How is that? I don't know. And I have here, imagine friends coming over and they see your Oscar. Like they don't know you want, and they're like, whoa, how'd you get that? What? I wrote a song about pimping. And they're like, that's special, dude. That's special, man. Okay, enough of the jokes. We have the character of Ren McCormick and his mom, Ethel. This is the original. Moved to Beaumont to live with Ren's aunt and uncle. Now, Ren's father has passed and they're from Chicago. Now, they did change a little bit between the original and the, the remake. But as Jeremy and I talked a little bit about that a lot of they used a lot of the same dialogue in the remake. They did change some scenes. I mean, the big premise of the movie is that there's a ban on music and dancing. In the remake, Ren moves. He's from Boston and he moves by himself. There's no mother. They cut her out of the script. And it's a small southern town. It was filmed in Georgia, so we assume maybe it's Georgia, and the other one is more, I'd say Illinois or Ren moved and his mom moved from Chicago, and then they moved to a small town, so maybe somewhere around there. And then in the original, uh, Ren already owns a car. Did you notice that? And it's the same, <laughs> it's a Volkswagen Bug. Uh, and the remake, I did not
1: notice that, but
0: yeah, somehow he already has his own car. And it's a Volkswagen. Okay. And the remake, Ren, is given a car which basically needs to be put back together. And it's a Volkswagen. Right. Now, there's, we talked about Quiet Riot. Uh, I noticed in the remake, he's in a barn. And there's a box. And there's just a couple albums. But one is the Quiet Riot album in, the, in one of the boxes. Yep. I think the original, they're playing the song. Or he's playing it on the radio. I think what's funny is uh, in the original, Wren gets pulled over for blasting music. And I don't know how, how loud do you have to blast music to have someone hear it outside your car? And wasn't he he was driving, right? Right. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like he was parked and the cop kind of slowly came by, I think. Right. <laughs> now we already know that the the volkswagen has doesn't have the greatest stereo system unless he put one in but the (laughs) yeah but the remake he takes the speakers he he pulls them out and listens to them and they're horrible and then he puts this huge speaker under the hood of the car yeah (laughs) which we know the volkswagen the engines in the back and there's nothing in the you know in the front so he puts this huge speaker now, we talked about Ariel. She is the daughter of the Reverend. And she's dating some dude named Chuck. Both movies show Ariel for the first time outside her father's church after church service. That's where Wren uh, meets Ariel. I have this problem with the name Wren because it sounds like a girl. I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a guy's. You know? Really?
1: Huh, I think a Wren and Stimpy.
0: <laughs> well, I think they took the. There were, there were two, something with the original story. There were two guys that this guy Pritchard talked to that I guess were, they were, they were, they were part of the petition originally, original story. And somehow he took both of their names and put them together. That's, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I think I read. Yeah. I mean, it could be Renford. (laughs) Yeah. So the Reverend is played by John Lithgow in the original and Dennis Quaid. In the the uh, remake and i kind of believe john lithgow would be a, a a good pastor dennis quaid i don't know he seems <laughs> he seems too too hip maybe or too and he seems like a person that would like fight to have dancing and not be <laughs> against it i don't know <laughs> now, i was very impressed kind
1: of randy quaid in that role
0: <laughs> yeah now, I was very impressed with Juliana Hoag, the one scene where she confronts her father and where the, the big scene is where she tells him she's not a virgin. Right. But I think her her scene was really a lot better than the original scene to me. And I like how they, I think, I, I don't know what the film was rated. I assume these were rated PG, couldn't have been R. And I like how they right. kind of, I, I like how they kind of downplayed. The sex scenes i mean you could you could have if you had teenage kids or even younger like eight ten you could probably have them watch either one of these movies i would think because the the original we have ariel and chuck on a blanket <laughs> like outside a wooded area and you see her buttoning up her pants right. briefly and then the remake you have ariel and there's some Storage unit, the guy's got his race car in, and she's about to unbutton her top, and Chuck slides the door closed. so but they don't right. show anything, which is fine. But you know, I didn't get a sense that Ariel was in love with either Chuck or Wren. I think I got the sense that she was tired of Chuck, and right. there here's this other guy. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I mean, there wasn't any big sparks or anything with either i mean the one scene that i had trouble with was in both movies is uh chuck beating up Ariel. yeah and i, I thought like that and i thought the original was more intense because she's bleeding from the face
2: right
0: the other <laughs> the other scene is the other great scene is when chuck is in his pickup truck i think it's towards the beginning it be, might be. And he's taunting the girls they are in a car. It's a two-lane road. He's driving on the opposite, you know, direction. Right. And Ariel climbs out the window of the car and into the truck. Right before yeah. the tractor trailer is about to hit him. Right. Now, I did see comments on this. That people think it's impossible or couldn't be done. Well, I have a story it's short, but... My friend, Mark, this is around, uh, 1987, 88. I was in a car with my friend, Mark and my other friends and my friend Steve's sister, and maybe some of her friends were in another car and we were side by side and Mark climbed out the window. And I think we were going about 40, 50 miles an hour and climbed into the other car. Well, the two of us were moving. I didn't dream it it actually happened. That was (laughs) so interesting. But I'm wondering, I have to talk to him because I'm wondering if he got that from Footloose. (laughs) If he got that Mm -hmm. idea. I mean, we're only talking like three years later, four years later. Right. So the movie ends uh you know with Ren going before the council and he's trying to get them to overturn the ban on dancing. And I thought the original was kind of hokey with Ren, there's a scene with him and his mom talking about losing his father and that he, he didn't feel he had a purpose. I mean, right. what's his purpose that he wants to dance. I mean, it, I don't he know. He to be a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they throw in these serious things in there that the movie's not to be taken that seriously. That was my only problem with it It's a fun movie. Right. I mean, it's no back to the future. It was, it was a, Pretty big movie though at the time. So both movies kind of end with the Reverend kind of giving in, not to have the dance in town, but both movies, there's a place. I don't know if it's a barn, a factory. They both, both movies, they clean up everything. (laughs) Uh, They're off site location. (laughs) Yeah, they're moving bags of, I don't know what it is, grain or whatever. I do like the, I do like the end of the original over the end of the remake even though they're about the same is because I hate Blake Shelton. I do not like okay. him. He's singing footloose if you didn't know. It's not Kenny Loggins. They kind of right. tried to make it country more country the remake. But I like I like the scene and I think it's in both. But I I remember the original where the camera goes around and everybody's sitting and they're basically waiting for Kevin Bacon's character and Ariel, Ren and Ariel to come in. Right. And Chuck and his friends show up and there's a there's a fight outside. And they kind of just beat beat them up. And right. Ren comes in and he says I thought this was a party, let's dance and then footloose kicks in and they're dancing all over the place (laughs) so (laughs) i think it's one of the one of the better endings of a movie just to you know to bring it all together now it's weird though because the original i didn't really note this with the remake Uh, do you know there's 22 minutes without music in the movie there's a 22 minute, and I'm not adding up the minutes. No, there's actually 22 minutes in there where there's no music at all. Well, I had to go, so I that was it. yeah.
1: That was actually an observation that I had. even though this is a musical, it didn't feel like you were kind of trapped into that typical musical style movie. Yeah, and maybe it is that big 22 minute. It, it wasn't one of those, you know, boring movies where it's like, okay, sing, and then have some movie yeah. and sing, and they, mm-hmm. the music made sense. So you are already kind of into the storyline, and the, and once they went into some of the dancing and the musical parts, it just went right along with the movie. It, it reminds me a lot of, like, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, because even though that's technically a musical, it doesn't feel like one, because the storyline entices you the whole way through that when they you know stop for those musical breaks it's still along the lines of movie where it makes sense
0: so this isn't considered what i consider or maybe anyone considers a musical musical because it's considered a musical drama no one i don't think anyone in the movie any of the actors are singing it's just a music background it's no la la land or anything like that right you now like
1: <laughs> i'm glad that you said it's considered a drama also because i was going to compare it to like a chick flick but it doesn't even feel like that it almost feels more actiony based mm-hmm. so i guess that's where the drama comes in yeah not action from the standpoint of fighting and guns but it's just constant build-up there's no there's no slow periods to me for it being a musical movie
0: It's weird back then, we have a couple scenes where you could actually, what they called play chicken, and one is the scene with Chuck (laughs) in his truck, he's kind of playing chicken with the girls in their car. And then the train scene in both movies, where Ariel stands on the tracks while the train is coming, and of course in both movies, Ren gets her out of the way (laughs) before she gets hit by the train. The remake, I don't think I'll ever watch again. I have to say the original, I don't know, five years, ten years, I might, eh, I'll watch it, you know, again. I have a little bit to wrap up soon is basically information on the movie. This is the original. So, again, it came out February 17th, 1984. It's 107 minutes. So it's a good, doesn't go on too long.
1: I was going to say, it's not too long.
0: Now I'm going to do what uh, Kristen does with the horror movies unless jeremy looked this up already i did now, the not. movie only cost 7.5 million to make only right yeah well back then i mean i don't know what it would be now it's 40 years ago it might be 100 million yeah. <laughs> how much did it take in jeremy how much do you think it made off of the 7.5 90 million you're you're actually kind of close you went over but it's 80 million okay 80 okay. million now the um, Rotten Tomatoes uh he gives it only at 53%. 45 critics reviews are positive. Average rating of 5.8 out of 10. It's not good, you know.
1: It seems it seems a bit unfair.
0: The website's consensus it says reads there's not much dancing. But what that's because they can't dance, people, you know, until <laughs> the end.
1: They have to learn.
0: Yeah. But what's there is great. The rest of the time, Footloose is a nice hunk of trashy teenage cheese. I don't know who wrote that. (laughs) Um, So here's a little bit on, before we wrap it up, uh, on casting. Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe. And of course, we're talking about the original now. We're both slated to play the lead. And it's funny, these movies that are so ingrained in our memories. I've said it before. But imagine if someone else, I think we would just think of that person as in that movie, but we know it's Kevin Bacon. It's not Tom Cruise. Nope. (laughs) Now the casting directors were impressed with uh, Tom Cruise because of the famous underwear dance sequence in Rick's risky business, but he was unavailable for the part because he was filming all the right moves. Rob Lowe auditioned three times and had dancing ability and the neutral teen look that the director wanted neutral teen i guess boy next door like girl next door oh, that was another thing i think uh Lori singer i think was more believable as just uh the reverend's daughter where juliana hogue I, i don't know i didn't get a a wholesomeness <laughs> from her from the beginning um, i got the feeling she was not only doing Chuck, but the whole town. That's the, what I got from her. <laughs> Somehow. Anyway. Also, Christopher Atkins claims he was cast as Wren, but lost the role. Bacon had been, Kevin Bacon had been offered the main role for the Stephen, get this, Jeremy, for the Stephen King film Christine at the same oh, nice. time. That he was asked to do the screen test for Footloose, and he cho- he chose to take the gamble on the screen test and after watching his earlier film diner that was the other film kevin bacon was in diner the director persuaded the producers to go with kevin bacon interesting now the, the role of ariel was uh, madonna auditioned <laughs> <I didn't laughs> which know that. is hard to believe because that's like really early on but who knows yep and A girl I don't recognize her name Haviland Morris but she was Caroline Mulford in 16 Candles okay she also auditioned and Valerie Bertinelli and Jennifer Jason Lee were also considered and it was filmed various locations in Utah County Utah and the high school and tractor scenes were filmed in and around Payson and Payson High School don't know if that's still there And the bar scene was filmed at the Silver Spur Bar in downtown Provo. The bar was torn down in the mid-2000s to make way for the Utah Valley Convention Center. Oh, wow. Maybe you'll be there someday, Jeremy, at an autograph show. Maybe. Maybe. This is where the bar was in Footloose, people. And they'll be like, what the hell are you talking about, Jeremy? (laughs) (laughs) The critical response on the film, Roger Ebert called it a seriously confused movie that tries to do three things and does all of them badly. It wants to tell the story of a conflict in a town. It wants to introduce some flashy teenage characters. Flashy, yeah, right. And part of the time it wants to be a music video. There was a musical version um, 1998 of Footloose. uh, Featured many songs from the film. And it was presented on London's West End, on Broadway, and elsewhere. And the musical is generally faithful to the film version with some slight differences in the story and characters. I don't think they can do the tractor, the tractor thing, or the with the buses on the stage. So <laughs> right. and then one last thing, the remake cost 24 million to make and it made 63.5 million. So the original did make more than the remake. I mean, I give the original I wouldn't give it a, I would give it like a 6 as far as films go because there's a lot yeah. more I love 80s films. Uh I love that era. It's weird. I love either like 1950s <laughs> like black and white like to see the cars and even the, the interior of the apartments and the kitchens and stuff like that. And then I also right. like the eighties because I was in high school and the music and, you know, especially the music movies from the eighties or movies that were driven like the John Hughes films. Yep. So again, I, so did you like the original or the remake or you'd kind of,
1: I like both about the same. Okay, I didn't. I didn't prefer one over the other.
0: Okay, so if you haven't seen, I'd I'd, I'd watch the if I watch the original first, and then watch the the remake. I'd do it that way. yep yeah. um, yeah. Okay, so I think that does it for our podcast, and we thank everyone for hanging in there, listening to us drone <laughs> on, <laughs> and we'll be back next month, and I think. I don't like to say what we're doing in the future, but I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about Dave Grohl's book. We're a little late on it, but I just found a copy. It's weird. I went on eBay and I found uh, like a, I don't know if it was a thrift, thrift stores are on there, you know, that are like Goodwill. Yeah. And I found it for like five bucks or something. Okay. And, and they canceled my order today. and i and i read it and it's this whole thing like all you have to say is like we thought we had it and we don't right they're saying talking about the warehouse and the like i don't need to know all that you can't whatever right so i had to go back in and luckily i found another one because that was the soft cover i found a hard cover for like eight bucks or something so there you go so that's going to be our next podcast and I think we might talk a little bit about Nirvana if we have time. It's probably gonna all work out with the book. I'm sure Dave <laughs> goes into the Nirvana and all that. But I hope it's uh like our we did Brian Johnson ACDC. We really had Jeremy and I both agree that was one of our best podcasts, just going through the book. And I'll probably that was do, so much fun. We'll probably do the same thing. I'll have to see how many chapters and <laughs> We could skip over some things, but we'll tell you all about it. so thank you for listening and uh we'll you'll hear us again soon, and remember, turn off that TV
1: and turn up the music
0: okay. You've been listening to No Good Music, intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts.